0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Over My Dead Pod. I'm your host, Holly Spear.
1: And I'm Kylie Colwell.
0: And happy new year, everybody. I think we've released one episode since the new year. Is that right, Kylie? Yeah, just one. Okay. Well, I haven't gotten to say happy new year, so happy new year. Just going to throw a quick plug in there, you guys. Just starting off the new year, if you guys will like and follow all of our stuff. We love doing this and we want to keep doing it and growing our page. It's just a little fun hobby for us right now. We love it. But if we could get more people listening, we would just love to reach people. We love doing it. Yeah. And we want
1: to be famous.
0: Yeah. Like and subscribe to us. <laughs> Send this to, you know, your friends if they like true crime stuff and give it a listen and Rate us if you like us five stars always. If you don't, then like don't, you know. But uh yeah, yeah don't even
1: bother if it's not five yeah.
0: stars. Just, just exit out. That's okay. We love doing this and it's been really, really fun for us and we're trying to grow a little bit. So, anyways. So today I'm going to tell you the story of Samantha Josephson, a young girl whose brutal kidnapping and murder would lead to state and federal laws used to protect passengers of ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft. Unfortunately, the laws would be too late to protect Samantha, who would get in a car on March 29th, never to be seen again. Samantha Josephson was loved by everyone. She was smart and she was caring. She was from Robbinsville, New Jersey, but was now living in Columbia, South Carolina for school. Samantha had just finished her last final exam, her last final exam before her graduation from the University of South Carolina. Samantha was a political science major and planned on studying law at the Drexel University School of Law in Philadelphia. She already had a full scholarship already to Drexel University, and she planned on practicing international law. So Samantha would be headed to Drexel in a few short months to start the next step of her life and her career. It was on March 29th, 2019, that Samantha would go to celebrate being done with her exams, and as college students do, Samantha started her night out late, and she does not arrive at the bar until... 1240 a.m so those were the days when you could do that now I'm back in bed by 10 p.m yeah now that sounds like I'm gonna be down for 48 hours and not be able to function that sounds sickening getting to a bar at 1240 but I had those days I had those days But Samantha's 21 and she can do these kinds of things. So she's going to go meet her friends that she hasn't seen in a while because she's, of course, been studying and she's finally free. So Samantha arrives at the bar in town at exactly 1240 a.m. called the Bird Dog Bar. And this is in her college town of Columbia. By all accounts, Samantha had a very normal night. Nothing was weird or out of the ordinary that happened at the bar. And a little before 2 a.m., Samantha decides that she's going to call it a night and head home. This is because she's scheduled to work in the morning, so she has to get at least some sleep. So Samantha does a responsible thing and gets an Uber to drive her back home. Samantha gets on her phone and orders from the Uber app from her location back to her apartment. While waiting on her Uber, Samantha calls her boyfriend Greg to update him that she was planning on leaving the bar soon and heading back home. You know the Uber drill. She's standing outside the bar, like on her phone, looking down, looking out into the street. She's at her meetup destination and she's standing there like probably tracking the Uber driver's location to see if he's about to be there. Nine minutes later, at about two o'clock AM, a black Chevy Impala pulls up beside Samantha and she hops in. This would be the mistake of Samantha's life because after getting in that car, she would never be seen again. Samantha got into the back of the black Chevy Samantha likely noticed that the Uber driver was driving the opposite direction of her apartment right away. Samantha likely knew that she was being kidnapped. The driver of the car would not let her out, no matter how much she begged. If Samantha had tried to open the door of the car, she would have realized that the driver had already turned on the child safety lock on both of the backseat doors, trapping her in the car. Samantha sat in the back of the black Chevy, which was in control of an unknown driver waiting on her fate. But someone noticed that something strange was going on, and this was her boyfriend, Greg. Samantha and Greg were long distance, and he lived about two hours away in Charleston, South Carolina. Samantha was actually planning on going to see Greg in Charleston a couple days later. Now that she was done with her finals, she was just going to go visit her boyfriend. So as we know, she had called Greg before leaving the bar and told him that she was on her way home. Greg and Samantha share locations. This was 2019, so I don't know if it's like Find My Friends, but it's some kind of app that they use to share their locations with each other.
1: Okay, I think you and I started sharing locations in 2019.
0: Really? Oh my gosh, okay. It just seems so like new to me. I don't know, but then yeah, 2019 seems so like far away. Like it was so long ago, but it really wasn't. Okay.
1: Law school aged us. Yeah, that was our first year in law school.
0: Each year in law school was like three years in real people time. Yeah. (laughs) In real people time, that sounds ridiculous, but I mean, okay. In real time. Anyways, Greg was about to go to bed, but he checked his phone a couple of times before just to make sure that Samantha had made it home safely. But when Greg looked at Samantha's location, he noticed that she was heading in the wrong direction of her apartment. She was headed further and further away. So Greg called Samantha a couple times to make sure that she was okay. But Samantha, of course, did not answer. Greg assumed that Samantha had probably just decided to stay over at one of her friend's houses after the bar and Greg, not wanting to seem nosy or controlling, put his phone up and just went to sleep. He just figured he'd ask her about it later. However, Greg would wake up the next morning to check his phone. And the first thing he saw was several missed calls from Samantha's friends calling him. He calls him back and he's informed that Samantha had never come home that night and she was not with her friends. She had never made it to her shift at work that next morning. More cause for concern is raised when Greg and Samantha's roommate gets in touch. Samantha's roommate tells Greg when Samantha didn't make it home last night and no one can get in touch with her, that she had actually broken into Samantha's computer to look for anything that might give her a clue about Samantha's whereabouts. And it's on the computer that the roommate finds a notification from Uber. It was one of those cancellation emails or notifications that you get when your Uber has canceled on you. And the cause for the cancellation was that Samantha had never showed up for her ride. The Uber driver showed up to the location and waited, but Samantha never showed. So Samantha never got into an Uber that night. So who picked up Samantha? Greg and the friends call Samantha's parents and report her missing to the Columbia Police Department. Greg immediately gets in his car and drives from Charleston to Columbia to help look for Samantha. Greg and Samantha's friends begin searching the area around Bird Dog Bar and questioning everyone they could find to ask if they happened to see a young girl, a young brunette girl, outside the bar, possibly getting into a car. Unfortunately, on this crowded Friday night in this college town, no one saw anything, at least nothing out of the ordinary that drew anyone's attention. And Kylie, I think that you have a picture of it on the slideshow that we show each other. And it's a picture of like the crowded street outside the bar. So there's many people just hanging around talking. So there's a lot of people there that were around when Samantha got into the car. But it just kind of looked like a normal Uber ride. Nobody really remembered seeing anything odd.
1: You yeah, know, there's like 30 people sitting outside this bar, but no one's looking at the car. Like everyone's yeah. talking to each other.
0: Yeah. Everyone's talking, doing whatever it is they're doing outside on a, you know, it's probably like a bar. I don't know this area, obviously, but it's like a, probably like a bar strip, you know, like there's probably other bars and people are walking and talking and, you know, what have you. So it also
1: so. looks completely normal. Like it's just a girl getting in a car. There's no, obviously there's no struggle or anything.
0: Right. Exactly. So Samantha must have had some like crime junkie friends or some very investigative mind, investigative minded minded friends. Is that a word? I don't know. I think so. Um, Whatever. Who who cares? They're investigators. Okay. They're, they're investigators. They're me and you because then the friends get together and on their own, they go to the bars and ask the staff if they can see their security video. And surprisingly, the bird dog bar does have working security cameras. Working security cameras. Yes, they have Something them. we've never heard of. A true anomaly in all our stories. This bar has cameras. So these cameras are actually pretty great. And the friends watch the security footage from outside the bar that night. And they see, standing out from the crowd, was Samantha Josephson. She was wearing the same bright orange top that she had on all night. Friends watch as at 2:09 a.m., a black four-door Chevy Impala pulls up in the first parking spot by Samantha, who was standing on that curb watching into the street. The car pulls up, and Samantha gets in the back seat. So the friends are like, "Okay, here it is. This is, this is what all we need." So they rush the footage back to police, and police begin collecting all of the footage from all the stores and bars in the area. So all along that strip, they start going and asking everybody if they can pull their security footage and watch it.
1: They waited until after her friends had already done it.
0: To yeah. yeah, some great friends. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Which is odd. You think that would be the first thing that police did. But anyways, yeah, her <laughs> friends. Go friends. Another security camera actually captured the same black Chevy doing loops around the bird dog bar before picking up Samantha as if the driver was scoping out the area waiting on a victim and Samantha was right in the path of this killer just waiting vulnerably for her kidnapper to show up i think this shows that this was kind of premeditated like the driver was circling the block like looking for a victim and he's already like turned the child safety locks on in his car so he's out prowling for somebody for an unsuspecting passenger to get in and Other cameras actually captured the car driving down the road, and we have a clear video of Samantha getting in the car. But after about a mile from the bar, no other security cameras captured any video of the car to show where it went. So they've kind of lost the trail of it. There's gaps in the videos and stuff, so they lose track of the car. And as hard as police tried, they could not make out the license plate number or the face of the person driving it. All police can do at this point is issue a Bolo or be on the lookout for a black Chevy Impala. In the meantime, police visit Samantha's parents in New Jersey. They ask Samantha's parents if they can have permission to view Samantha's bank records. Police are hoping that if this motive was robbery, that the kidnapper would have likely already tried to use Samantha's ATM card and they could then track where the card was used and in turn hopefully find Samantha. Obviously, Samantha's parents give consent for police to access her bank records. Police look, and lo and behold, Samantha's debit card has been used two times since her disappearance. Once at an ATM 45 minutes away from where Samantha was kidnapped, and another time at an ATM in Columbia. Police contact the banks where the card was used and ask the banks to pull their security footage. Police watch the security tapes of the ATM and find that, as they suspected, it was not Samantha withdrawing any money, but a lone male wearing all-black gloves and a bandana to cover their face. There was no sign of Samantha in any of the videos. Police then amp up their search in the areas where the ATMs were used. They still believe there's hope to find Samantha alive. However, any hope of finding Samantha Josephson was shattered. Fourteen hours after her disappearance, two hunters were turkey hunting in New Zion, a town about 65 miles from Columbia, which is where Samantha was picked up. These two turkey hunters stumbled upon a female body in the field. Even without any autopsy on the body, police could tell Samantha's cause of death. This is because Samantha's body was covered in over 120 Massive stab wounds to every part of her body. Her legs, face, chest, back, torso, hands, feet, everywhere. Yikes. Yeah. 120 was actually only an estimate. There were so many stab wounds that the pathologist could not even determine an exact number of wounds because there were so many. Notably, Samantha had a large amount of stab wounds on her hands and arms. This told investigators a story. That Samantha had likely put up a fight. The idea is that if she's putting up her arms while she's being stabbed, she's trying to grab the knife or she's actively trying to fight the attacker. Police were certain that these were stab wounds, but they were very odd stab wounds. They did not look like they were made from a normal knife. But police could not determine what type of weapon made these wounds yet. There could have been many causes of death because a few of the stab wounds went through her skull with enough force to slice into her brain. Some stab wounds even severed her hyoid, and some severed her carotid artery. The medical examiner determined that Samantha died within 10 to 20 minutes of her attack by bleeding out. This is because, when Samantha was discovered, there was hardly any blood in her body at all. There was a measly 20 milliliters, which, by the way, there should be 5 liters of blood in the human body. Obviously, Samantha's body was then dumped in a nearby field in the town of Side Columbia, called New Zion, where it was discovered. So now police are hunting a killer. Police think if they can find the driver of this car, they will have found Samantha's killer. But remember, police do not have a license plate or a face to match the person driving. But finding the car would be a lot easier than police anticipated. The day after Samantha's body was found on March 30th, 2019, at 3 a.m., police officer named Jeffrey Kraft saw a black Chevy Impala driving down the road about to leave town. Officer Kraft remembered the bolo issued on a car that matched this exact description. So Officer Kraft put his lights on to pull over the car and check it out. The driver immediately turned the wrong way down a one-way, but ended up pulling over. There was a man driving the car and a female in the passenger seat. Officer Kraft approached the driver and asked to see his license, to which the driver replied that he could not give the officer his license because he had just recently lost it at a club. Officer Kraft smelled marijuana coming from inside the vehicle and asked the driver if he had been smoking. The driver admitted that he had smoked earlier, but but that he had smoked that morning at home. The officer then asked the man to exit the vehicle, and all of a sudden, the driver bolts. And as expected, he did not make it very far. He was caught and handcuffed, and he was identified as Nathaniel Rollins. Now, Nathaniel Rollins is a 24-year-old and lives in New Zion, South Carolina. Nathaniel once went to South Carolina University, but dropped out in 2017. Since then, he'd been bouncing around low-end jobs. In 2018, Nathaniel was arrested for obtaining a signature under false pretenses. We don't know what crime Nathaniel was trying to commit by getting the signature under false pretexts. But Nathaniel doesn't really seem to have any other violent crimes that he's been charged for that would track with this type of kidnapping and heavily violent murder. Officers then search Nathaniel's car, which they can do because he fled. Um, And in the pocket of the driver's door, police discover a pink keychain with a USB drive attached to it. They also find an iPhone, which they find out to be Samantha's, which Rollins has turned off. And Officer Kraft opens the back door of the car to find the entire back seat is completely covered in blood. He hasn't cleaned up anything? Doesn't seem like it. (laughs) It's covered in blood. The doors and the seats are completely soaked. So I guess he's just, yeah, driving around with an entire whole ass crime scene and behind him, just cruising through town. What a confident man. He's very confident. Throughout the story, he's remains a very confident man. In the trunk, police find bloody clothes, bleach, and cleaning supplies. So I guess he just like hadn't had, you know, the chance to use those yet but we'll find out later that he did actually try pretty hard to clean the car he's just a bad cleaner i guess forensic testing would confirm what we already know and that is that the blood is Samantha's obviously nathaniel was arrested right away and i i say nathaniel and nathan interchangeably cuz i think he was Went by Nathan, maybe, but his real name's Nathaniel. So if you hear me say Nathan, it's the same person, obviously. But when he was arrested, Nathan started put, pulling on this like little act that he couldn't breathe. So, of course, yeah. So, when in doubt, when you're getting arrested, just yeah. But it doesn't work for him because police call medics who verify that he's actually literally fine. And police go ahead and take him down to the police station for a formal interview. Nathan claimed he had nothing to do with Samantha's disappearance and actually went back to his cell and took a little nap. He just took a little snooze, you know? He's back to the very confident man. He was just tired, you know? He's been he's been through a lot, and he just needed a nap. Some people just need a nap. I understand. Yeah, I, it happens. So Nathaniel will not talk to police, so police track down his girlfriend named Maria Howard and ask her to come in to talk to them. Maria tells police that Nathaniel stayed the night at her house, but left early in the wee hours of the morning and returned at 8 a.m. So police are like, perfect, this matches the time that Samantha went missing. She was picked up around 2 a.m., and this gave Nathaniel at least six hours of unaccounted for time. More than enough time to drive to Columbia, kidnap Samantha, kill her, and then dump her body in the field on his way back home to New Zion. And Maria admits that she witnessed Nathaniel cleaning blood from his car when he returned that morning. She claimed that she did not tell authorities at the time because she was too scared to. Police immediately get a search warrant for Maria Howard's home and find a trash can outside that was filled with bloody paper towels, cleaning supplies, bloody clothes, and a two-bladed multi-purpose tool that was coated in blood. The blood was identified as Samantha's. Now, I didn't really know what it meant by a multi-purpose two-bladed tool. I included a picture in Kylie's slide, and it's – I don't even know how to describe it. It's like – but I've seen it before. It's like a little thing – oh, my gosh, this is going to be hard to describe. It's like a little (laughs) tool, and it's got two – it looks like a little clamp, a little –
1: Yeah, it looks like a a Swiss army knife, but there's two blades that come out kind of like pliers
0: yeah they look like pliers like I don't even know if they're actually sharp to the touch they're just like maybe blunt but sharp at the end but it's like you would use it to like yeah if you're like turning a bolt or something like a little plier like situation oh my gosh there's probably a name for it and we're probably gonna get like roasted but um, I've never
1: seen it before so I don't
0: I know I've seen stuff like this and you can like Mm -hmm. fold it back and into itself and like I don't know
1: can you even find it when I Google like my description? No,
0: I, no, I tried to do the same thing and I could not find what the heck that stupid thing was called because I don't even know how to describe it. But we will put a picture of it on our website if you want to look and see what this weird thing looks like. But you've, I bet, I bet you've seen it before, but you probably don't know the name of it. If you do, please tell me. Should um, we have a, like a contest? Whoever gets yeah. the name right. Yeah, don't look at the picture. Actually, we're not going to put the picture up. You can't see the picture. You got to tell us what it's named at is. But we won't know if that's right because we're stupid. Damn it. Okay. (laughs) Police believe that this sharp object is the murder weapon. And this is what caused these odd stab wounds that police could not identify where they came from. Police swabbed Nathaniel's hands for evidence, and under the fingernails of Nathan's right hand was the DNA of Samantha Josephson.
1: Wait, so he still hasn't even washed his hands?
0: The man has not even washed his hands. Just wash your hands. On April 29th 2019, Nathaniel Rollins was, was charged with kidnapping, murder, and possession of a weapon during the commission of crime. The prosecution did not pursue the death penalty. Rather, they sought the max time for all of the charges. In the midst of this, Nathan was alleged to have sold some items that were stolen from another woman during a kidnapping in Colombia. So it didn't show up, I guess, when police first pulled his record, because I think that he somehow maybe confessed to it in the middle of all of this, or he got caught in the middle of all this trial. But he's also has kidnapped a woman in Colombia. And the victim was carjacked by two men, one of them, I guess, being Daniel, while at a traffic light in October 2018. The carjackers physically assaulted the victim and then forced her to drive to an ATM where they robbed her of her money before forcing her to drive home where they robbed her of more money and items from her home. Hours later, Roland sold some of the items to a pawn shop. This is what Nathaniel Rollins could have been planning to do with Samantha, but maybe Samantha put up too much of a fight and she fought back, which we know she had defensive wounds on her hands and arms. So maybe she put up so much of a fight that Rollins' plan of robbing her and dumping her failed and he maybe kidnapped her possibly, but he's done it before with another woman. During Samantha's trial in 2021, the prosecution claimed that Nathaniel's motive was money, but prosecutors just had to speculate. And this is because Nathan tried to continue to claim that he had nothing to do with the murder. So we will never know if Nathan left Maria's house that night planning on killing someone or if he just kidnapped Samantha, planned to rob her, but she fought back and he killed her instead. Whatever the motive, Samantha's friends and family would never get to know. The defense tried to claim that there was no evidence to suggest that Nathan was driving the car when Samantha was kidnapped. They're resting on this fact because the cameras did not show the face of the driver. In response to this, the prosecution just crushes this theory by bringing evidence that showed that Nathan and Samantha's phones were pinging together, traveling in the same direction with each other the entire time until Samantha's phone was eventually shut off. But Nathan's phone stayed on and was tracked the whole way there and the whole way back to New Zion where Samantha's body was found and then to the two ATMs where he withdrew the money. So pretty solid. Yeah. Nathan's girlfriend, Maria, that police had interviewed before, testified against him in court. Maria stated that on the night of the murder, she was asleep in her bed around 1.30 a.m., And Nathan was downstairs watching TV. Maria went to sleep for the night, but she woke up at 5.30 a.m. to get ready for work. And when she went back to check on Nathan, he was not there anymore. He had left. This was maddening to Maria because Nathan was supposed to take her to work that next morning and she had to be at work before 7 a.m. So Nathan had left Maria stranded with no way to get there. When Maria found Nathan was gone, she called and texted him and Nathan did not reply. Maria ends up having to get her mom to take her to work. As Maria's mom pulls into the driveway to pick Maria up, Nathan pulls down the driveway as well. And it's already past seven at this point. Maria remembers this because she's obviously now late for work, so she remembers that. And Maria ends up getting into Nathan's car and she notices something in the car that looked like dried blood on the dashboard and the back seats. There was a sheet on the back of the driver's seat and on the back seats. The sheet was kind of draped over the seats to cover them, but Maria could see that the sheets did not cover the seats all the way, and she could see that they're what looked to be dried blood. Maria asks Nathan why there was blood in the car, if he had maybe hit a dog. Nathan tells Maria to, quote, mind her business. He goes ahead and takes Maria to work. He tells her he'll be back to pick her up, but he's going to go back to her house and clean out his car but Nathan never shows to pick Maria up from work and she ends up having to get a ride home from a co-worker. When Maria finally arrives home for the day, the door to her house was locked. So she bangs on the door and she, and she said that Nathan opened the door, but he looked very startled. Maria went about her night. She took a shower and she got dressed. She said that even after she got out of the shower, Nathan was still cleaning his car. She said at this point, the whole car smelled like chlorine. She knows now that it was bleach probably but it was so strong he was using so much of it she's like it smelled like chlorine she also saw nathan cleaning that knife like thing that we don't know the name of so she saw him cleaning that and the prosecution asked if it was this knife and showed her a picture of the knife they found in the trash can outside the home with samantha's blood on it maria said that it was nathan and maria were supposed to go to maria's mom's house that night so they get in the car together and they're driving down the road Nathan is in the passenger seat, and while they're, like, driving down the road, Nathan is still cleaning the car with wipes as they're driving. So she's, like, driving the car. Nathan's still, like, cleaning stuff on the way while she's driving. And Maria asks again, like, what are you doing? Why are you cleaning like this? And he tells her again to mind her own business, which, like, I don't know how I can
1: mind my own business if you're cleaning up blood while we're driving.
0: Yeah, like, excuse me? Despite all of this evidence against Nathan... Nathan's mother would actually abruptly disrupt court and yell out, the state is accusing our son of a crime he did not commit. And the mother knows her child. And I know my child did not do this. Which like, uh, I mean, I know it's hard for families of killers to probably come to terms with their own children taking someone else's life, especially in such a terrible way. But I mean, uh,
1: there's so much evidence.
0: So much evidence. So that's unfortunate. July 27th, the jury reached a verdict. And unsurprisingly, as we suspected, they found Nathaniel Rollins guilty on all counts. The judge would say, this is the first time I have presided over a case where the victim was stabbed over 120 times. The last case that I participated in, the victim was stabbed and tortured. And this resulted in the jury imposing the death penalty." which in this state is defined as murder accompanied with aggravated circumstances, and kidnapping is an aggravated circumstance. I hear a lot of mothers tell me how great their child is, and their child is, and unfortunately, sometimes I have to tell those same mothers that your child was a good child. He was a good child when they were little children, and my heart goes out to the Rollins family as as well as the Josephson's family. The judge talks directly to Nathaniel and says all of the evidence, each speck of the evidence is not simply beyond a reasonable doubt, but the highest standard of the law that it requires. And it all points to your guilt. He then sentenced Nathaniel to life in prison. Since Samantha's death, her family has chosen to honor her memory by creating the What's My Name Foundation. And this is a charity that works to educate people on the safety of ride sharing apps like Lyft and Uber. Some of these safety tips include not saying your name until the other person does first, until the driver says, I'm here to pick up Holly. And instead of saying, are you here to pick up Holly? Because then that way they have to prove that they know who they're picking up and not just some random person. Also checking the make, model, and license plate number of the car and make sure that it matches what is listed on the app before getting into the car. Another one is noticing if there is a sticker identifying the rideshare service. So, you know, like how Uber puts the little sticker on their car, on the back windshield, or the front windshield, or whatever. The Josephson's family also lobbied to change policy that would enhance safety precautions for rideshares. In 2019, the South Carolina legislature would pass the Samantha Josephson Ridesharing Safety Act, which requires that rideshare drivers must display their license plates on the front of their cars and that rideshare services must provide the rideshare plaques to drivers, which display the driver's name and phone number and their license plate number. These plaques must be displayed on the driver and passenger side of the back windows. The law also provides that anyone that falsely identifies themselves as a rideshare transportation service provider and then uses that in the furtherance of a crime can be fined up to $1,000 and face up to two years in prison. Other laws passed in other states like this. And then in May 2019, Congress passed Sammy's Law, named for Samantha, which would require ride-sharing company drivers to prominently display lighted signs or scannable QR codes as a safety regulation in light of the issues tied to ride-sharing services like Samantha's. The bill would criminalize misrepresentation of being a driver of a ride-sharing service nationwide. On December 28, 2022, federal legislation authorized a study of ride-sharing service practices with passage by the U.S. House and Senate, which was sent to President Biden's desk. It was signed into law on January 5, 2023. The Josephson family attended the 2023 State of the Union Address as guest of the New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith. Josephson was awarded her political science degree in May 2019 at what would have been her graduation ceremony. Her diploma and possessions were given to her mother. So these laws will hopefully save the lives of potential victims like Samantha Josephson. And if you want to visit the foundation that her family now runs in her name, it is www.whatsmyname.org. And they have like tips and information, resources, public service announcements about the dangers of Ubers and ride-sharing services, and Obviously, not that they're all dangerous, but there can be obviously bad things that happen out there. I
1: remember when this case happened, I remember going on Uber before any laws had even passed. They had like a little pop- up like after you ordered the Uber to say, like, make sure your driver like knows your name or like ask what your name is before you get in.
0: Or yeah, like
1: confirms yeah. your name,
0: yeah, and it's something I don't I, I really didn't think about until hearing about this. I mean, you always think like, you know, you get in the car and you're like, okay, what if the driver like kidnapped me? Because it would be so easy to do. But there's definitely precautions that you can take to make sure that that never happens. And I mean, and also like, I mean, it wasn't even Uber or Lyft's fault, you know, it was really just she didn't check and would have no way to know that she needed to check that it wasn't them picking her up. So
1: did they say why they didn't seek the death penalty? Was it like the family didn't
0: want it no i'm not i i couldn't find why they didn't i don't know that was odd to me and i think the judge kind of saying that to the the comments that he gave at the end were like you could have gotten the death penalty for much less than what you did so i don't know whose decision that was not to seek the death penalty but if they did he probably would have gotten it so So we will jump into our segment of overtime where we just banter. And last week, Kylie did her 10 things that she wants Gypsy Rose to do. And I said I was going to bring some to the table, but I haven't figured them all out yet. So maybe next week, maybe (laughs) next week. I kind (laughs) of forgot about them. But, you know, what I wanted to talk about today was, did you watch last night the Golden Globes? I did not. Okay.
1: Some highlights on Twitter and TikTok.
0: Okay. I didn't watch it either. So (laughs) I don't know why I asked. (laughs) But I watched snippets of it all night long on TikTok and Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And (laughs) I need to know if you think the lip readers are right. And if (laughs) Selena Gomez wanted to take a picture with Timothy and Kylie Jenner said no. I don't think they're right. You don't? I don't think the lip readers are right. It didn't line up
1: what they were saying with her lips. I mean, I'm not a lip reader, but also like, why would she ask for a picture with him?
0: I don't. I don't know. Do you, are, you a, are you a Selena fan? No,
1: actually really. Something about her just irks me. I don't.
0: Yeah. Something about
1: her. I don't know. I don't trust her.
0: We might get, get flack for this. There's some really hardcore Selena fans, but I just think I agree with you. There's something so victimy about her that is just i don't know and it's just a personal opinion it's just i could be wrong i could be wrong but if, for people who don't know what i'm t- anything about what i'm talking about kylie jenner you know the kardashian not a kardashian but a jenner blah 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 she's dating timothy shout Chow- how do you say chalamet, it? chalamet? okay so yeah. the willy wonka guy she's <laughs> dating him she's dating willy wonka Will Willy Wonka himself, um, you know, the chocolate factory, you know, the golden ticket. And uh, <laughs> they're like a cute couple, but they're also just like a little odd, but like in a cute quirky way that I think I just, I really like them. I don't know. I love them. And I hope it's not fake or like just completely into each other. Like any videos or photos that I see of them, they're making
1: out like the entire time. They're so time.
0: cute. Yeah. I love it. I love them. So they were at the Golden Globes for his movie and he took her as his date And she did not walk the red carpet with him, but she like slipped in to the Golden Globes later as a little surprise. But there's all these lip readers saying that Selena Gomez, and there's a video of it, comes over to the table where Taylor Swift and this other girl who I'd actually, I didn't recognize her, but she's probably famous. But I don't think she is, but she's Miles Teller's wife. Oh,
1: but good friends with Taylor Swift. I don't think she's famous. I don't know.
0: Okay. Okay. So Taylor Swift is sitting next to this unfamous girl and (laughs) uh, Selena Gomez comes up and whispers something in her ear that is so juicy that Taylor Swift's jaw drops to the floor and her eyes get huge. And then the other girl beside her, you can see her being like, what, what? Like, I definitely think she was, I'm not a lip reader, but I definitely think the girl beside Taylor Swift was like, what, what are y'all talking about? What, what? And then. Selena Gomez like repeats it or says it again and then you see her be her jaw drop and her eyes get huge and there's all these lip readers on TikTok and Instagram whatever saying that (laughs) Selena wanted a picture with Timothy and then Kylie said no and then she was going back and Taylor's telling Taylor Swift and her friend about it which I just think is so juicy
1: it would be juicy if it happened because I think Kylie and Selena have beef
0: yeah, because of Haley Bieber and Kendall are like us. Yes. Well, and K- Haley Bieber and Kendall and Kylie are really good friends. And also, Selena's
1: ex boyfriend, The Weeknd, is dating one of their other friends. Mm. Mm. There's this everyone in Hollywood, like the group of like the twenty, to low thirty year olds. It's like it's just a web of relationships.
0: Yeah, for real. And it's also funny to me last night at the Golden Globes where it was all of these people. It was all of their drama, but none of them were really per se actresses and actors like Kylie Jenner was there with Timothy as Mm -hmm. a date. You know, she's not an actress. And then Taylor Swift was there because of her movie, the premiere of her whatever that what's it called? Oh, her, like, concert movie thing? Her concert movie. And then Selena was there for, what was she there, Murders in the Building? Yeah. So, I mean, she is an actress, I guess, but not what you would, not the first actress I would think of, but, you know. Do you think she's a good actress? Because I, I don't, no. no. I don't, I don't either. And now she's dating Benny Blanco. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Isn't that weird? Did you see what she posted on her story?
1: No. I'm like. Making out, and she captioned it like, I won.
0: She's just such a I just feel like she's the drama. I feel like she is the drama. I truly do. I almost feel like that's a stab. Like I here's my picture with my man. I don't need a picture with yours. like,
1: oh, yeah. oh, maybe that is why she posted like it. I
0: won. like I don't need like I'm not in any kind of competition with you. I already won.
1: I, don't, I still understand why she would want a picture with him. I don't know
0: I don't know. i I think that they were friends at one point. Mm. they did a movie together a few years ago i don't even know what it was but i i did my background research and they did a movie together and they were friends like outside of the movie so i don't know but i feel like that's a that's a bold move on both of their parts to ask for a picture when you know you're beefing with his girlfriend and And then ask in front of the girlfriend yeah yeah and then kylie said no which was bold too but like you know i don't know if her sister doesn't like you, and I would say no, if I was Carly, yeah, I'd be like, yeah. you don't like me. Why are you going to take a picture with him? No, I'd have to do a picture of all three of us. Yeah, I'll get in the middle. Yeah, you want <laughs> <laughs> really? You better tag me. I love it. Oh my god, I love the pop culture. The pop culture um, overtime. This is great.
1: I think each episode we just talk about a different celebrity we hate.
0: Yeah, yeah. And with that, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Over My Dead Pod. If you want any more information, including photos of the case, you can check out our blog, overmydeadpod.com. Be sure to leave a review wherever you're listening to this and check us out on social media at overmydeadpod. We will see you next week with another case. Bye. Bye.